0: Today, I want to talk to you about a, you know, we're in timeless number two, second part of the series. We're in our, going into our second week of our fast. It's not too late for you to get in. Start today. Start right where you're at. It's just really about putting things aside and letting God move in your life. Because I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to give you a blueprint for revival, a blueprint for revival in your personal life and in the corporate life of this church and even in our nation if people will take heed to it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no man, or tomorrow is promised to no one. You know, we can't live our life worrying about tomorrow We can't live our life concerned about what happened yesterday. We gotta live right in the moment we're in. We gotta stand on that name that's above every name. We gotta live through the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. We gotta gotta stand in the redeeming power and the redeeming blood of our Lord and Savior. And I tell you what, as we humble ourselves and pray, as we begin to follow the pattern that I began with you last week that Jesus gave us actually before Thanksgiving, He stirred it up in my spirit as I began to prophesy to you that this is going to be a year, 2017, of family salvation. It's going to be a year of breakthrough, of breaking the limits off your finances, your health, your family, your influence. It's going to be a year to break the the spiritual limitations where the enemy would rob you and get you in condemnation and fear that, that you can't walk in the fullness and the presence of God. This is your year. I'm just telling you, it's not going to be like any other year of your life. And God told me, I've been so excited all week, man, preparing for you that God said, I'm going to put a fresh anointing on them. I'm going to put a fresh, brand new anointing on everyone that will humble themselves and open their heart and everyone that will open their minds to what I want to say and what I want to do. You see, so many people want revival, but they want revival the old way. God's not going to move the way you want Him to or I want Him to. He's not going to do it the way we expect Him to do it. He's going to do it His way. He's going to do it where it's special and unique to each one of us. Because in life, we have certain human needs that He created us with. And those human needs are, 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 you know, that we have a, we need significance and 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 we need certainty in our life. But we also need uncertainty. We need surprises. And God has good surprises. Look at your neighbor and say, good surprises good surprises for you in 2017, but you got to tap into it. Yeah, some of it will just fall on you. Some of it will happen and you'll go, wow, that was cool. But what I want you to realize is others, you just got to press into God and into your intimacy and your relationship with Him and faith will rise up in you. I prayed last week to stir up the gift of faith on you. I believe His faith has been working on you all week long, but you can't allow the enemy to distract you because if he can distract you, he'll discourage you. And if he can discourage you, he'll get you to depart your faith. He'll get you to depart your belief system. God said, my people for a number of years have been coasting, just been coasting as as the kingdom in in the earth. But he said, this is the year I'm waking up my lions. This is the year I'm waking up my sons and daughters. This is the year, 2017, that he is going to burst things loose. Mm. You know, there was a child born named Belparazim, and that, that, when that child was born there's actually two twins and he's the one that fought, Jacob's son that fought and got around his other brother so he could be the oldest one. And the Bible says that that, that name Belparazim means breaking through or to burst through. And God said, this is a year of breaking through. This is a year of bursting through into his glory, into his presence. But you got to make a decision. I'm just telling you, make a decision. That's what prayer and fasting is all about. That pattern that Jesus gave us, right? You say, well, 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 why, why fast? Isn't that just religion? Isn't that just, oh, you said don't do things the old way necessarily, pastor. Be ready for surprises. Yeah, but there's patterns that never change. There's certain things that we gotta do that never change. You might, they might look different, we might do them in a different way or a different place or whatever, but they're still the patterns of Jesus because ultimately we are sons and daughters of, of God. We are sons and daughters brought into this kingdom through his son, Jesus Christ. And what we gotta realize is those patterns that he developed on this earth, just so he could live them out and you and I could see them and they could be talked about and we could catch them. The patterns that are most important to us are the patterns of prayer, fasting, and giving. Prayer, fasting, and giving. Prayer, communing and conversing with God, but asking and receiving from God. It takes faith to receive things from God. Knowing and trusting in God. Knowing and trusting in Him that He's bigger than your sickness. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your addiction. He's bigger than your financial loss or your broken relationship. He is bigger than religion. He is bigger than any image or anything or any name. And when you begin to know and trust in Him, your faith can move a mountain, Jesus said. But you've got to know and trust in Him. Whenever we begin to learn to pray, to commune, converse, To ask and receive from God. And we move into the realm of fasting. What's fasting? Fasting is when we give something up. Jesus demonstrated it through food. When we give up that food or or certain things that that deal with our flesh and the appetite of our flesh. Not to be on a diet, but to make us sensitive to hear his voice. We give up food, what? Or special things or treats, why? Why? For a spiritual purpose, a spiritual renewal, a time that our flesh at first, it's screaming that first day or two and it's yelling and I got a headache or what are you doing giving that up? What was a stupid decision that was? You got 20 more days to go and you're counting the days, then you're counting the hours, the minutes. But a few days into it, you're like, this is pretty good. I, man, I should do this all the time. And what, what is it? All of a sudden, your flesh gets beat down. Your minds ran through all the appetites it could run through. And now it's you and God. And when you begin to do that, what happened? Fasting opens up the supernatural. Remember, I was teaching you about that last week. Why is fasting important? Fasting was important because Jesus fasted. Jesus was a giver. He said, The tithe, he said, that's one thing you should not stop doing. You, you need to keep doing that. Jesus paid his taxes. He was a giver. He was blessed. He didn't just give his life for redemption to break the curse of poverty off of us. He gave while he was on this earth. You see, I want you to realize we got to follow that pattern of prayer, fasting, and giving. And I'm going to be bringing it up all year long. I'm going to keep it in front of you. And I want you to keep it in front of yourself so that you can burst through. This is your year of breaking through. Breaking through those limits in your career. Breaking through those limits with your family. Seeing your children break through. This is a year for family revival. Family salvation. This is your year. Say, this is my year. Say, this is my year. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but this is my year. It can be yours, but you got to make a decision. Hmm. Man. I see this whenever I begin to look at this and when when I see that Jesus, you know, right after he was baptized in the Gospel of Luke, what happened? Then he went away into the wilderness and he fasted. Now, he did nothing but water for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan kept coming and trying to tempt him and attack him. You see, when you're on a fast, the enemy turns his attack up. He wants Why? He's got to get your attention off God. Because he knows he don't have a chance if you get your attention on God things are going to start breaking off of your life. And when Jesus fasted, the Bible says right after he fasted for that 40 days and nights, and I could go into detail on that, that's amazing, read that in the Bible. And then it says right after that, he began his ministry, his supernatural ministry of healing entire cities and healing the sick and setting the captives free and breaking addiction and delivering people from demonic depression, oppression and depression and and so on. What, what happened there was whenever he began to stand, and what was he doing? He was praying while he was there. He was communicating with God and said, I'm not here to do your will, devil. I'm here to do everything the Father told me to do. I'm going to hear what he said, and I'm going to do what he told me to do. He had to be in communion with God. Even though he was the Son of God, he still had to be in communion with his heavenly Father. So you say, Pastor, why fast? Well, think about it. Jesus even said in the Beatitudes, and even in in chapter 6 of Matthew, he, he made it very clear. He said, when you fast, when you pray, when you give. When you fast, when you pray, when you give. He didn't say, if you fast, if you pray, if you give. He said, when you fast, when you pray, when you give. What does it do? It opens up the realm of the supernatural. I talked to you last week out of Matthew 17, verses 18 through 21, and I talked to you about how there was a man, remember Jesus had, uh, a chapter or so before, had anointed his disciples to go out to heal the sick and to deliver people of demons and to open blind eyes and to preach the gospel, and and they were doing that, and they were delivering people of demons. They were open blind eyes. They were getting people set free and getting people, you know, indoctrinated in the kingdom and understanding that the kingdom was there. It wasn't something that's coming in the by and by, but there was this one man that had this son, the Bible says, that was demon possessed, and this son was battling. And he would, he, when this attack would hit him, he would go into seizures and even row into the fire and try to burn himself up. And and he was even suicidal. He's trying to kill himself because he he couldn't live under these conditions. And the Father had spent everything and done everything. He took him to the disciples and all of them. None of them could do anything. And then he brought him to Jesus and he said Master he said I, you said, you know, I took him to the disciples and they prayed. They, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't break this off my son. And Jesus looked at him in verse 20 and Jesus said to them, uh, and Jesus went on and said, be free. And he was free and he was healed that hour. That very hour he was set free and delivered to that demon and became normal. And the disciples, when they got along with Jesus in the next verse, he said, Master, how did this happen? Why could we not do this? You said we would be able to heal the sick and deliver people from demons and so on. And he said this in verse 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Wait, they're out here preaching the gospel. They're risking their lives. They're doing everything he asked them to do. And he still said, because of your unbelief. You see, when you get to a point you think you never have some unbelief in your life, you're religious. Because you will accept what you've always known to be what will always be. And after a while, you even lose what you used to know. You're either living or dying. You're either growing or you're decreasing. You're getting closer or you're getting farther away. That's why God keeps that pattern that Jesus gave us of prayer, fasting, and giving. Whenever you start worrying, if you're worrying about something, then you need to pray about it. I gave you something about two years ago called STP, maybe four years ago. Stop, think, pray. Stop, think, pray. Well, you know, I'm lusting over this woman at work or this guy at work. Stop right there and think about your God and how much He loves you. And think about your spouse or think about their family. And think about the Word. Get your mind focused on a Scripture and pray that Scripture over your life. When maybe it's a financial pressure, don't worry about it. Stop, think, pray. It can be five seconds or two minutes, but you begin to give it to God. And as you keep doing that over and over before long, what are you doing? You're renewing your mind. Before long, you're stirring your faith up. You don't have to worry. Worry is an addiction. It's a choice. It's a decision. Fear, the same thing. False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. Fear, intimidation. Sure, we all face fear, but we don't have to live in fear. So he said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, that's a mustard seed. You couldn't even see it on the end of a pen hardly. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and he looked at a physical mountain, move from here to there, one translation said cast it into the sea. And it will move or it will be cast into the sea. A lot of people say, well, you know, he was just metaphorical. No, he was talking about the real thing. Because right before that, he just cursed 24 hours early, earlier a fig tree because it was alive and young but hadn't bared fruit. He cursed it. They walked back by the next day and it was dead. And they said, Master, how did even this tree come under your command? How did even this tree that was alive and you spoke death and it was dead in 24 hours? And he started it on this scripture. So he was talking about a literal fig fig tree, and they all saw it. Now he's saying, forget the fig tree. If you got just a tiny bit of faith, you can command a mountain to move. And it'll move. Say, well, I just don't believe that. And you'll never have it. You can't get beyond your belief. So he said, "Uh, nothing, and then he said, look at this, even that mountain will move here, and it will move. And he said, look, and nothing, everybody say nothing, will be impossible for you. One translation said, all things are possible to them that believe. Well, we want to stop there as Christians. Oh, all things are possible to me because I believe. Do you really? You, You can't trust God enough to set some food or some dessert aside for a little while. You can't trust God enough to sow and to give and to help the needy and the poor. You can't trust God enough to take a few minutes and give him your worries and give him your sin and give him your fear and give him your pain. See, you either believe or you don't. Nothing will be impossible, who? For you, for me, for us, that believe. However, look now, he said, now there's another level of belief. See, you you believe, but now sometimes you believe and you're at a level of faith, but things kind of get in your life and thoughts and habits and opinions and offense or whatever it might be, fear, worry. He said, what happens is that sometimes that comes in your life and it says a, he said, however, this kind does not go out except by what? Two things, prayer, communion, and conversing with God, asking and receiving from God, and fasting. Giving up food. Giving up a certain amount of food or all food for a few days, whatever it is, giving this food up. What, why is he saying that? When you give that food up, what are you doing? You're telling your body it don't, its appetite isn't as important as your spiritual appetite. You see, everything in the seen began in the unseen. It was nothing, and God spoke, and it was. It came from nothing and became something because of the Word. Hmm. So here's what I want you to know today. Fasting is an essential part of your revival, of your breakthrough. And today I'm going to talk a few minutes here to you about how to have a revival personally, and corporately in your family and in our church family and even in our nation. Now, you say, well, well, well why, Pastor? Why, why does fasting bring this to me? I'm going to give you three reasons why. There's more reasons why, but I'm going to give you three. Here's the first reason. Fasting keeps us sensitive to the voice of God. Fasting keeps us sensitive to the voice of God, and you know what else it does? It not only keeps you sensitive for, to the voice of God, but it also reveals the assignments, You notice I didn't say singular assignment. People think, well, I got my career now, or I got my calling, or I got my spouse, or I got. No, no, no assignments is plural. God doesn't just have one assignment to you. I have multiple multiple assignments on, on my life. And my assignments tweak and change and evolve and some I have to end that were God and I have to end them anyway and start something new. What it's assignments plural. And if you don't hear God and if you're not in communion constantly with God, it's easy. It's like you can come in and serve in this ministry and be part of this ministry and locked in and never missing service and so in tune to the vision and then you can get off into a ministry in this house and never get to church on Sunday, maybe once a month, because you're serving somewhere. And you know what happens before long when God said, God gave us our assignments for the year for a certain amount of months, and now God said, go left, and we're over here two blocks down the road left from what God said, and you come back up and you're in church go, well, that's not what the preacher said, that's not what the pastor said. Well, the problem is, I'm in communion with him, and you need to get in communion with him. Because I'm hearing what God is saying. I'm not looking at what's happening now. I'm looking at where He wants us to be, not where we've been, not even where we are. I'm looking at the future because I'm the leader. That means I'm in front. You say, well, I'm a leader. Well, look over your shoulders. Anyone following you? Because if they're not following you, you may not be a leader. See we can be a leader in certain assignments of our lives and other assignments we're followers. You're never just a leader in every area of your life. Because Jesus said that you gotta humble yourself. He said, Even I humble myself and serve others. He didn't come to be served, he said. He said, I came to serve. Leadership is a service. So, the first thing you gotta realize is why fasting is important because it makes us sensitive to God's voice. What else does it do? What else does it do? John 10 says this. It, it, it helps us here. 10, Jesus said this in verses 27 and 28. He said, my sheep, who's that? His sons and daughters hear my voice. And I know them. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And, and, and you know, when we begin to think about that, he said, my sheep hear my voice, the Bible calls him the good shepherd. You see, in Israel, I've been there four times. It's not uncommon uncommon when you're out in the wilderness or you're out in, you know, out of Jerusalem and out into the highways and the byways, rolling over the hills and the fields of Israel. You could come up on the highway and be, come right up around a curve and down a hill and all of a sudden there could be hundreds of sheep standing in the road, covering the the bus or the car, whatever, and it just has to stop because you can't drive through hundreds of sheep. And all of a sudden, the guy to say, "Don't worry, just a moment. Look, look. Oh, uh, there's a shepherd. There's a shepherd. Oh, it looks like two. Sometimes it could be three or four shepherds kind of crossing at the same time, and maybe they're talking or whatever. And there, and all of a sudden, they see the bus or truck." And one will start going the direction he was going. He'll get about 50 feet to the other side of the road. The other one will start going the direction he was going. He'll get about 50 feet on the other side. And they'll stop and make some little noise that you or I would never recognize from their voice because we don't know their voice. We don't know their sound. And it could be a little yip or this or that. And they'll make a little noise. And they won't look to see if they're following. Once they make that little noise, they don't, not even a whistle, they'll make a little noise of some kind and turn around and just start walking. And you'll just sit there, and it's kind of desertous, and you'll just watch. And then they said, well, just sit and watch. And you just see these, like, a couple hundred sheep just separate. And one would go after that shepherd, and one would go after this shepherd. And he never had to look back. He never had to yell. He never had to scream. Why? Because they know the shepherd's voice, and they trust the shepherd. And see, that's what we got to do. We're not going to trust God if we don't know his voice. And if we're, we can't know his voice, if we're not sensitive to him, what's the second reason that we need to fast? See, fasting helps you get into that mode, right? The second why fasting is about afterward seasons. Everybody say, Afterwards, fasting is about afterwards seizing. Season. Afterward seasons in Joel. Whenever we begin to look at the, the book of Joel, we realize that afterward seasons is what brings. Revival. When revival hits, it's always after something God asks you to do. Here in Joel chapter 2, where we get that famous scripture at the end of Acts 2, where, you know, God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and His sons and His daughters will prophesy, and His old men will dream dreams, and young men will see visions you know and so so we get all that that's cool right well it came he, he was quoting out of Joel, and in Joel they had just had locusts hit their country and had eaten all their food their vegetation everything their crops, and Israel had been living in sin, and God said to them in joel two twenty eight He said, it shall come afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. You see, God was committed even though they were in sin, even though they had been through tragedy and a bunch of them could even starve to death if something didn't happen. God was still committed to them, but they had to be sensitive and hear Him and obey Him so He could bring them into an afterward season, an afterwards anointing. You see, you've been looking at your hope and your future based on your now or your past or what could be. You've got to get into that afterward mode. You've got to get into what God can do with you even though you went through a tragic divorce or you went through a tragic illness or you went through a tragic financial situation or spiritual situation. You've got to realize there's always an afterwards with God if you'll heal him, if you'll hear him, if you'll give him your sin or give him your fear or give him your failure. If you'll just give it to him, God will bring an afterward season on you and His afterward season is revival. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means we all qualify. But we got to trust Him in that afterward season. Now here, it's interesting what it was after. It was after a fast because He says in Joel 2.15, God said, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, and call a sacred assembly. Think about that. That's what he told them to do. And he said, if you'll do that, then, then he told them on down there in verse 28 what was going to happen. He said, if you'll consecrate a fast and call a sacred assembly, if you'll blow the, the trumpet in Zion, if you'll come into my worship, into my presence, and gather together corporately, and begin to assemble together, and do what? Consecrate a fast he said he said if you'll do what i've asked you to do my promise will come on you and my promise is an afterwards season you know it's a lot different when you face something tough and you got momentum in your life When you got momentum in your life and you face something difficult, it's still difficult, but you can get through it easier or you can get through it more efficiently. But when you've already lost momentum and it hits you, it's even more difficult because we'll get focused on this assignment or that assignment and get away from the the main assignment, which is to hear God and be sensitive to God. We can be successful in our marriage, our career, even in ministry and get blindsided by the enemy. But the cool thing about it, anytime we want, we can move into personal revival with God. What is that? A fresh outpouring of His Spirit. A fresh outpouring of His presence. A fresh outpouring of His anointing. But you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. you got to stop blaming everybody else. Even if you weren't wrong, repent anyway. Because you probably were or had some part in it. Just like I do every time, even though I don't think I do. I still just repent because I know Dalton. I got something in that. I thought something or said something or done something. I'll just go and repent now. Because I want the afterward season. I'm telling you, Bethel's getting ready to walk into an afterward season. God said the, the latter church is going to be greater than the former church. I was talking to some new people in the church last night, and we were having dinner, and and, and, and we were talking, and I began to, we began to talk about the church, they were talking about how excited they were. And then all of a sudden I said, you know, the first six years of this church, they called this the come and see church. We had t-shirts, we had slogans. God just spoke it out of my spirit one morning because people were coming, they were saying, what kind of church we tell them we are. I said, just tell them you're a come and see church. Come and see. You'll see his name, you'll see his presence, you'll see his power, you'll see his love, you'll see his faith, his grace, his mercy, his hope. And it just got so contagious and then you kind of get comfortable because you know you're walking in that and the church is growing and you go through seasons in a church body just like you do in your personal body or your family but God said you're getting ready Dalton get ready you're getting ready to go in an afterward season a new anointing a fresh anointing a fresh revival because you can't have a fresh revival with the old you you said saying, you saying I'm not born again? No, I didn't say you're not born again. I just said you're dead. You're just dead sometimes. I mean, it's like that in my life. I can be dead in my walk, you know. I love God and I've been in this thing, but sometimes I'm just in a season of no momentum. And I can sit there and fake it or I can repent. And I'm telling you, this is your year. If you want it, you can have it. God said, my afterward season's waiting on you. Hmm. Let me give you the third why and then we'll pray. The third why. When we want to walk into that afterward season, we got to get into prayer and fasting and giving. And you know why? The third reason is it prepares you for a new anointing. You see, I can't walk in revival without a new anointing. The word anointing means to hit the target, to cover, to smear, to break the yoke. You see, I got to break the yoke on some things in my life. I got to— readjust the target. Sometimes in my life, we all have to. We have to be open to hear God's voice. In one degree can change the longevity of something totally to almost an opposite position if the distance is far enough out. And I want you to realize if you're going to walk into this afterward revival or this season with God that afterwards, no matter what you've been through, you're going to step into revival, then you've got to come to the place that be ready for the new anointing a new freshness, a new presence in God. We see Jesus makes it clear here about personal revival and corporate revival because in Mark chapter 2, John the Baptist, some of his disciples, and the Pharisees came up to Jesus, and they couldn't say anything to Jesus because they knew he fasted and prayed. But they noticed his disciples weren't fasting. And uh, they looked at him and said, Master, you know, what, what, what is it that your disciples don't have to fast? John the Baptist's disciples, we fast. Even the Pharisees fast. Why are they not fasting? You see, they were looking on an old model. They were doing it the way it had always been done. It wasn't that it had was wrong to be doing it because Jesus was doing it. But what they didn't realize, sometimes God leads you in different seasons because he wants a different kind of Outcome. He wants a different kind of afterward anointing. You see they didn't know, they looked at those disciples riding on Jesus' coattail, riding on His anointing, riding on His popularity, His fame, His wealth, and all that. They didn't realize the price that was getting ready to be paid after Jesus was taken from. them. You see, you, you can look and compare yourself to people all day long, but until you really get alone and hear God and obey God, you'll never really know your potential. I don't want to live in someone else's potential. I don't want to live in someone else's dream. I want to live in the dream for me. I want to live in the potential that God created me in his image and likeness. God gave me this one person and personality. He gave me the good stuff and all that stuff in me and the bad stuff. I just need to give to him and let him redo it and remake it over and over and over again if I have to. But see, you got to realize if you're going to walk in an afterward season, a revival in your life, you got to have a new anointing on you. And look what Jesus said to him. He said, uh, He replied to them in in Mark chapter 2 in verse 20, he said, but the days will come, he he started telling them as he does a parable when they said this to him, he said, the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and they will fast in those days. And then down in verse 22, he said, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the wine bursts the wineskins. The wine represents the Spirit of God in the Bible. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins, what? Are ruined. But new wine must go into what? New wineskins. What's he talking about here? You know, whenever you take it, and I've seen it in Israel and different things too, if you take an old wineskin that's had old wine, that wine is already fermented. Or maybe it's been drank out or poured out. Or it's been fermented. So whenever that wine was first put in there and the fermentation is young and it's in that birthing stage and it's, it's agitating, it's a chemical, man. It starts it starts doing all this stuff, expanding and doing all these things in that leather, in that wine skin, that skin of an animal. It starts doing it. And then what happens is after a while, the wine skin, the, the new wine skin at the time, shapes itself according to the power and the potency of the new wine. And then it settles down into that shape. And as the wine goes out of it, wherever the wine goes out over a period of time, the leather starts — the skin of the animal starts drying out. And then when it's empty or real low, it's either mostly or totally dried out. It can't stay like because it has no liquid in there to keep it any longer. Or some people say, well, I'll just pour half this old wine out and let God fill me up with new wine. Well, the problem with that is even if you pour it out and half of your wine skin still alive and the other half is dead, what happens is that new wine will rock it. It will burst an old wine skin. Now, one thing you could do to a wineskin is you could cut it open and you could take olive oil. You could take oil and begin to rub it down on the inside and on the outside and keep working that oil in it and sew it back together. And then guess what? You could pour new wine. What's that represent? A new anointing. Oil is a smearing. Oil is an anointing. And you can take the oil of the Holy Spirit. The oil of God, His Word, His sacrifice you're giving, you take all of that and you can just start rubbing that old wineskin and rubbing it and let it rub the things out of your heart, let it rub the things out of your mind, let it rub the things out of your past, let it rub the things out of your present, and all of a sudden you're ready for an afterward season. You're ready for revival. Some of you, you've never been full of the wine of the Spirit of God. You've never been to that place immersed in the Holy Spirit. You just, just, just need to take the top off your mind and open up and let it come. That's all you got to do. Romans 12, 1 and 2, what? I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you, what? Present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. What's that? Shh, shh, shh taking that lid off. And saying, use me, God. Fill me up. When you open yourself for God to fill you up with his anointing and his fresh newness, what happened? He's going to change the way you look. I know, man, whenever I gave my life to Christ and, and received the Holy Spirit and so on, I, my countenance changed. I know when people give their life to Christ, you can just say, wow, you just look different. It's because they got that new formation going in there. That thing's fermenting in them. It's moving around. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's not idle or dead. He's moving around. He's expanding. He's bubbling. He's ready to do something. He's ready to overflow. But, but you got to get that old way of thinking off. Because he says, be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed. By what? The renewing of your mind. To prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Not or, good or, acceptable or perfect will, but good, perfect will. What? And, and, and. Good and acceptable and perfect will. What are you saying, preacher? I believe that you can't walk in God's best for your life without fasting. Because Jesus proved it over in Mark, didn't he? Mark 17, whenever the disciples were healing the sick, casting out devils, but they ran up on one miracle they couldn't perform, and Jesus said this one only comes out by prayer, and by fasting. So it's not too late for you. Start today. Just start today and give it a go and talk to God. Put some worship music on and get yourself off and just let yourself be revived. Let yourself be renewed. Let the presence of God begin to stir you and change you and challenge you. Anybody like me to pray right now for you to just have a fresh new anointing? Just stand up, stand up. A fresh new anointing, a fresh new anointing, that you're ready to go into an afterward season, an afterward season right now. You're ready to move in. You're saying, God, I I, I want. Maybe I'm not even ready, but I want it. Help me, Holy Spirit. Lead me. See, you, 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 well, you know, you can't be around those people like that. They, they speak in that other language, and, you know, that was with the foundation of the apostles. Well, if Jesus did it, it's okay with me. If, the, if Paul did it, why would it be bad? Or Peter, well, you know, they're over there, that hocus-pocus, and they raise both hands instead of one hand, and I just don't know. That's right, they don't know. But I'll tell you this much, if you put all that junk out of your mind and don't perform and don't worry about performing for people and open up your heart and your mind and let the Holy Spirit come in, there'll be a transformation in you. Your marriage will get better, your relationship with your children will get better. Your students, you guys will have another walk and a fresh anointing on you even at school, even in the classroom. You know, you won't gossip as much. You won't lie as much. You won't do all this stuff. What? Because you are in constant communion. I didn't say you would never gossip again. You will. I didn't say you won't ever lie again. You will. I didn't say you won't ever do something stupid again. You will. But you know what'll happen? The Holy Spirit will quicken you. You'll take care of it so quick it'll get less and less and less and less, and you'll get more and more and more of Him to the point. You'll be a new person to where that stuff is not even a habit anymore. Your habit is being in His presence. Your habit is receiving His power. Your habit is to walk in healing, not your diagnosis from your doctor. Your habit is to walk in a a fresh anointing of not being needy and not being financially oppressed and not being in fear and not being in regret. You'll be walking in a new, afterward season. You will be a living, walking, breathing, revival and presence and anointed one of God. Just raise your hands up and that that this is just raise your hands up because right now I'm just I'm just visualizing you as just an open spout for God. An open spout. Father right now I just thank you that you just are doing this to me too, God, that right now, God, we're getting ready to walk into this afterward season and, and, and Holy Spirit, you said you would fill us up that if we just call on you and repent. And God, we just repent. And if you gotta repent, repent right now. God, we just repent of everything in our lives that opposes you, everything in our lives. God, even things we don't even know we did, we just give it to you. We repent. You can have it, Lord. Holy Spirit, Come. Refresh us, immerse us, baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Baptize us in your presence, in your power, in your fresh new anointing. New wine, you're welcome. We're open for business. Speak to me, talk to me, challenge me, provoke me to good works. And I can be a walking revival for anyone I come in contact with. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout, somebody, if you would, come on, give God a big shout.